Hello and welcome to episode 907 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, March 23rd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I am well. How about you? I'm doing all right. A couple more drafts in the books. Got my main event, uh, my first main event done last night. Yep. Uh, like my team. Interesting team. We're going to talk about it here because <laughs> we've got some news on some of the players already. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, and then uh, did Tout Wars over the weekend. Feel really good about mm-hmm. that team, um, even though I made a few few minor mistakes. But um, yeah, uh, draft season is like well underway, and uh, I've got two more drafts, maybe three. I'm, I'm debating jumping in the Colin Weatherwax or the beat Colin oh, Weatherwax league. Um, I'm debating that as well. If you do it, I'll do it. How about that? Oh my god, I'm that's put the so pressure much pressure on you. I really don't want another league, especially another fab league. Yeah. But I love Colin and Same. I really he's gonna be in my beat Justin Mason league, which drafts the next night, but I don't know. Oh, so he joined one he okay, because he was in mine and mm-hmm. that hurt your feelings, which we loved. Mm-hmm. And then he joined Vlad's, mm-hmm. which further hurt your feelings, which again Greatest feeling ever for me. <laughs> and then, so you had another beat Justin Mason that he's going to be in. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I, I but do. Funny how a guy who's not playing fantasy baseball gets, oh, yeah, no, gets he, a, he's, he's fucking gets back a, in. Colin Weatherwax. Like, of course he is. I mean, we still have, what, nine days left of draft season. I mean, he's already got four teams. Clearly is going to have 10 before he's the getting end. Get in the main. I don't know. We'll see. There's only like 20 spots left in the main, so if, he, if he's going to get in, he's got to get in quick. I know, I know. Oh man, it's wild, it's wild. Yeah, but I'm really excited. Obviously, uh, we're we're coming down the home stretch of draft season. This big weekend coming up will be massive for everybody, and uh, I'm excited. I'll have my main. I'm also considering that league. I got uh, one home league, uh, just a, a head-to-head points that I really enjoy. It's pretty competitive, so. It'll be great, but let's talk a little news. Uh, speaking of your main, you parlayed this news into a discount. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what folks think about if it was enough. But Zach Gallon was scratched with forearm soreness. Now, obviously, you hear forearm off rip, people losing their minds. But I think Gallon, you were saying he's like even thrown a little bit, like he was scratched, but then still threw a little bit. Is that correct? Yeah, so it was he was in the batting cage. <laughs> Another reason why we want the DH to come to the National League. Yeah, yeah, he was he was batting, which is cool, yeah. fun, and neat, sweet, and, and dope. There was a a pitch inside, and he kind of did a weird check swing, um, and strained a forearm muscle. Now, people obviously when they hear forearm, they go, "Oh, UCL, right?" So there's a great guy to follow on Twitter. His name is Nick Savali. Uh, and he is a Aaron's dad. He is the brother of Aaron Savali. Oh God! See, I'm trying to make a joke, and it's the truth. That's funny. I'm pretty sure he's his brother, cousin, something like that. Um, he's a uh, he's a physical therapist. He writes over at Fan Tracks, so definitely go over and follow him because he's a really really good injury source. Um, and prior to my main, he dropped some info on kind of this injury because they they said where the injury was on the forum. Is it? It doesn't have to do with the UCL. It's the other side of the arm, and it's. it's um, and he even did a little video, kind of outlining it. You should definitely go check it out. Um, and so he's like, "This isn't a Tommy John thing. He could still miss time for sure, um, but 
it's not like this is like season ending Tommy John type of injury. So I felt a little bit better about taking the gamble on him. Uh, so you took a five round discount, mm-hmm. took him from he's generally in the third. He goes in the eighth in a 15 team league. You know, obviously you got the whole meme about you taking injured guys, and and there you go, taking one as like a centerpiece. But I, I have a hard time not feeling like this is a solid gamble. You got some intel to go with it. This feels like, given the the nature of pitching in general, and how many of those like, I mean, pitchers all, everywhere, but especially in like that four to twelve round, like those those guys that were all waiting to break out, like so many of them bust. And it's due to injury. And so, yeah, you know, you might you might just get one of those guys there with Gallon, but you could get so much more. I, I thought it was actually a pretty worthy gamble. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like, do I – this part of me wishes I had that pick back, right? So, like, I, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about my Towers team, but I did something I don't usually do, which is I started pocket aces. And mm-hmm. so I already had Cole and Kershaw um, on this team, and I was like – if Gallon is my number three, and I do get him, let's say he misses the first two weeks of the season, um, you know, or even the first month of the season, uh, Gallon is my number three is like a really, really just amazing upside play. Um, now Pablo Lopez was available at that pick, and like, yeah, and so was like Patrick Corbin, who I love, and everybody knows how much I love him this year. So maybe I should have gone that direction. Sure. But, you know, the rest of my, like, I, I've run the projections, you know, on a few different sites um, or with a few, di- few different systems. And with Gallon, you know, getting 80%, I'm, I'm winning this league. Or at least I'm, you know, I should win the league according to the projections. Obviously, things can change. Yeah. Um, and then even without him, I'm still like a top three or four team. Okay. So, like, I feel still pretty good about taking the gamble. Looks like you put yourself in a position to where he can he can really add on, but he's not mm-hmm. he's not a total linchpin to your success for sure. I'll be interested to and see I, where he goes in yeah. these other main main event drafts. Every main going like I mean, there, there's some mains every night, I believe, right? Yeah, there's another one tonight. So so you know, see, seeing where they go in that, where he goes in that, as well as some other guys, you know, is really going to be interesting. Certain rooms they're really going to fall. Others, people might might want to take a gamble and get a discount, but push it up a little bit. So we'll kind of see. But Gallon in the eighth, like I said, generally going in the third, uh, sometimes even the, the late second. You really uh, you really have an opportunity to cash in there. So I I like it. I, I think it was a worthy gamble. Um, let's talk Kirby Yates. Now he's out multiple weeks with a flexor strain. This one's a lot bigger of a deal here. And Charlie Montoyo unsurprisingly is 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 mom on on naming a replacement and just saying like flat out that hey it's gonna be jordan romano who most people are gonna go for or um rafael dolis it you know those are gonna be the two guys to draft though yeah uh romano went ninth in that draft that you did like i'm sorry that's for me this is one of those that even if it works out even if he does like get the job and take off with it, it it was still a bad pick because you just didn't need to pay that price, right? So it's like you could get the best result and be like, see, he ended up being a 
seventh round closer. He he saved 30 games. I did well. And like, okay, but I think you still have to grade it like at the time. And there's no way he was going anytime soon, right? I mean, am I crazy? No, I guess you're not you never crazy. know. Somebody else could have been in, but oh, it was seventh round, not even ninth round. It was seventh round. Yeah. It was, like that's uh, that's just too much for me. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, a pretty crazy pick. Um, you know, I mean, here's the thing, too. Like, he went ahead of kind of proven closers that are like have, have the spot to themselves, right? He went ahead yeah. of Ryan Presley. He went ahead of Brad Hand. That, the 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 Presley one was the one that really shook me because we were watching your draft in my Twitch stream, and that was the one that I just, I'm sorry, like that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, I I just don't understand how. And I like I like Brad Hand too, so like I have a problem with that. But I think I think Presley's on another level even than Hand. Yeah, I mean I think I've Hand and Presley right around each other. Um, and like, so like, uh, that to me was like, okay, well that doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, especially because he, we don't know that he's the guy. Like, I think there is a real shot that, uh, you know, factors into this role. So for, for absolute sure. Like, I, I don't see any way that you could feel overly confident drafting either. I like Romano too, big time, but there has to be the right price, and I'll tell you what—that sure as hell wasn't the price. Like what, whatever you know, seventh round. That's not, that's not where I'm at with it at all. So I thought that was tough. You ended up snaking Dolis late, and I thought that was a decent pickup. So your 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 closing situation—you got Chapman early, back in the fourth. Then you got your boy Archie Bradley, but you did back him up with Nerese, who we'll talk about uh, later. And then you got Dolis in the 26th round, just a free shot at the Toronto bullpen and get some saves there. I thought you did pretty well uh, with with your save setup there. I think you still you still would have some interest in some guys who might come available. Um, you know, you're not out on everybody that comes on the wire, but you're also not aggressively putting five billion dollars uh, on them either. I think you could be in a situation like where you have two plus closers, where where you have Chapman the Philly closer and then Dolis is sprinkling on a few saves here and there. And if he looks like the guy more so at the beginning, you can start him. You can start putting him in the opening in, in the roster and, and get the saves that way. So I, I like that setup there. And if Romano's anywhere near the established closers, I think, I think you have to pass. Uh, well, another closer situation. Now this one, I don't know that there's anybody I want to get in on. Jose LeClerc is out for, quote, an extended period of time. It's the same kind of deal that we got with Yates. They both just got, like, nebulous timetables, but not good outlooks. And um, I wasn't particularly interested in LeClerc at all at this point during the uh, draft season. I was really big on Jonathan Hernandez, but then he suffered an injury even before LeClerc. So now you got those two out. You got Jolie Rodriguez out, the interesting lefty who came back from going overseas. Matt Bush, non-roster invite. He's 35. Taylor Hearn, interesting lefty, but I'm not sure he's getting the job. Josh Sbors, Sbors, S-B-O-R-Z. Um, 
where do you go here with Texas? Besides, probably not at all. But like, you know, we got to give the people some some answers here. That you know, AL only leagues, you can't leave any stone unturned. So where are you going in this uh, Texas bullpen? Pro- I'm gonna go with the guy that's not even listed on roster resource, and that's Ian Kennedy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, quote unquote proven guy, old guy that they can you know hopefully you know get some success from, and then flip him. Uh, to another team. I think he likely gets the first shot. I think uh, Matt Bush could get a, a shot here as well. I also think it's an absolute nightmare, and I don't want to dip my toes too much into those waters unless they're really, really cheap. I think that's the exact way to play it here, and, you know, I'm burying uh, LeClerc on my list. I just... I just I'm not messing with it. Like and I'm not I'm certainly not picking him up because he could I think he could lose the job to injury too. Like I don't think it's impossible. Kennedy is a good call out, by the way. I don't think it's impossible for Kennedy to just kind of take the job and run with it and be just like perfectly capable. You know, nothing that's special and, and ratios a little higher than you want, but he's like your fourth closer, your third, fourth closer type, and you just whatever, ho hum. Um Globe life doesn't looks like it's not going to play crazy offensively, and so maybe his home run issue won't be as big of a problem. Although he he got homers in Kansas Kansas City, so maybe anywhere for uh, Ian Kennedy is just going to be a homer place. But he's got his velo up as a reliever, decent strikeout to walk ratios. That's a good call out. So and, and apparently manager Kennedy, uh, yeah, apparently manager Chris Young said yesterday that uh, it, Kennedy and Bush appear to be the leading candidates. There so. you go. So those those are the two that you're drafting if you're touching any, anybody there. I know some of you like to get down and dirty and throw anything um, as far as trying to get some some type of closing capability there. And that's uh, General Manager Chris Young, not to be conf- confused with. Is Chris Woodward still the manager? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So no, former you were right players. to quote Young. <laughs> yeah, it's two former players because General Manager Chris Young mm-hmm. did highlight those two, but it is Manager Chris Woodward. So uh, small difference there. And then uh, that's really it for the news right now, which I guess is kind of good. You know, so it's only it's only three landmines. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we will get more before the season starts. It's just it's just going to happen. I'll mention in passing that Raylo got sent to the alternate site right now. The Lopez nobody cares except me, but I am heartbroken. Um, Tout Wars went off. Now, probably won't get as deep into these leagues because I think they work better as kind of written stories um, to kind of walk people through the league. Because I, I don't know that there's a whole lot in a Tout Wars draft that we can give info for that people are taking into their draft. But just give some passing thoughts. You were in the uh, you were in the mixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in the mixed auction. Um, like my team a lot. Um, I'll run it down just real quick. Uh, sure. Cheap at catcher, Omar Navarez and Tom Murphy, $3 for Navarez, dollar for Murphy. Uh, now, this is on base percentage instead of average. So it's 5 by 5 okay. with OBP. Uh, my my uh, first baseman is CJ Cron. Third baseman is Cabrian Hayes. Um, Andres Jimenez is my second baseman. Uh, Willie Castro is my shortstop. My middle is uh, Paul DeYoung. Uh, and my corner is uh, Gio Urshela. Uh, my outfield is absolutely loaded, um, and that was the kind of main mistake I think I made uh, early on in the auction. I got Kyle Tucker, Randy Rosarena, Victor Robles, and George Springer. Uh, and then uh, Sam like Elias is my, is my fifth outfielder. 
Yeah, the only problem was that, so I filled up those four outfield spots really early. And then yeah. I also got Nelson Cruz as my util. And there's no reserve. The reserve players don't factor into the auction. They're in a draft afterwards. So you got one outfield spot left yeah. after pretty early time there. And the prices were insane early on. Like, if you go yeah. and look at the sheet, I mean, and this is why I didn't spend $30 on a player. All my players were under, under $30. Um, oh, wow. But had I not done the Robles one, which is the one I kind of regret. I, I went a few extra bucks on Robles, um, uh, got him for 21 bucks. It would have given me a lot more flexibility when the prices got really good. Um, yeah. Cause I just couldn't, I just couldn't fill that last outfielder spot um, and end up, uh, ended up being outbid by a lot of other people on, on guys that went uh, way cheaper later on. So, uh, you know, uh, pitching staff, uh, Brandon Woodruff, Joe Musgrove, Patrick Corbin, Kyle Hendricks, Ryan Yarborough, Dylan Cease, Joaquin Soria, Taylor Rogers, and Archie Bradley. Okay. So, um, you know, I may need to be streaming for saves quite a bit <laughs> yeah. if Archie Bradley's not the guy. Um, but, uh, I like the team a lot. I mean, and, uh, I think it. Uh, I think it's got a pretty good balance. Um, I feel really good about some of the buys uh, that I got, especially considering you know some of the prices that were going earlier. I mean, we saw I think two or three fifty dollar players. Um, yeah, Trout, oh, wow. Soto, and Acuna all went for over fifty dollars. Okay. Um, and so getting, you know, like Randy Rosarena for 24, like getting George Springer for 29, getting Kyle Tucker for 28, like feels a lot better. Like I know those guys are elite players, but they really like twice the players of a Randy, uh, Randy Rosarena. I got, I got a Rosarena for 13 in the head-to-head points league. Really? That felt weird. There's some rooms, I guess, where he's, he's just not as um, valued. I mean, I had him valued... At I think twenty nine dollars, and I got him for twenty four. Yeah. Um, I had mid twenties, and I was like, okay, because I similarly head to head points league um, was off uh, outfield heavy. I had Harper, Yelich, and then Eloy at twenty one felt like a good price too. And I was like, okay, well I've got three, but here's a Rosarena, and he's thirteen dollars. I'm doing it. I did it, and then I also took a gambit. And went with uh, since he's a split player. I took both Otani's. Yeah, uh, that happened. We had in a nightmare situation. I don't know if you were paying attention to the tout mix. Oh, I auction. missed it. What happened? So, you know, I mean, obviously this will never happen again because this hopefully be the last time we ever have to draft online for this auction. But yeah, Otani is two separate players in the league, but we're using Fantrax's software. Yeah, where he's only one player, and so what happens is the first person to throw out Otani has to declare them a hitter or a pitcher, um, and then we have to throw out the other Otani later on, um, mm-hmm. which in hindsight probably a bad idea. People they should have just put him as you know the the listed Otani is the Otani hitter, and then picked a random crappy pitcher. To That's be, what I did. Yeah, um, the problem was I threw him out. Our good buddy Joe Pizapia throw out threw out Otani and didn't threw him out at five bucks. Didn't declare who it was, so they had to stop, figure out he was you know, and he was like, 
And I think Joe had forgotten the rule that he wasn't just a two-way player. That he had to declare, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, he goes, well, fine, uh, I'll, I'll do, I think he was the pitcher. Yeah, he was the pitcher. And so um, they restart it, and he throws out a Tony for a dollar. And everybody's like, no, no, you threw him out for five. This went on for 25 minutes. No. Yeah. Like, and it was like right before the break. It ended up like going into the break. Um, it was an absolute, like, like, and like, you know, I love Joe. He was, he was probably wrong here. You know, you threw him out five bucks. You declared him as a pitcher. That's what he should be. Um, but I also understand like he was confused by the rule. This is a whole weird thing. Um, it just it took forever. Like it went on for a really long time. Um, That's a pain in the butt. Yeah, and it was hard too because uh, the the person who was running the auction from the towers board is Todd Sola, but like he's not in the league, so like he yeah. is in the chat and he looks like he's the siege because he's using yep. the siege's account to type. Um, did that with with Clay in our draft, and so like people are thinking like the siege is going back at Joe. It's like why is he getting involved? Like, oh my god! It was just a night, and I'm on a live stream. Like you know, like I wasn't in the the Zoom that set up for all the contestants. I'm on a live stream. Like what? And I'm waiting to go on Sirius XM. I'm waiting for them to figure this oh, out. No. So Sirius can call me. Um, and it was just it was a nightmare. Uh, that being said, like it ran really smoothly once it was figured out. It was actually. That's it was actually a lot faster than I thought it was going to be, um, but it was, it was yeah, it was a nightmare situation. Yeah, that's kind of a pain in the butt there. Um, I ended up, like I said, getting both. I threw both out. I'll try it in a points league, you know, getting all those points. Yeah, I had to use two spots. Maybe it's worth it. I mean, it's five total dollars, so that seems all right. Yeah, yeah Joe know. ended up then rostering the hitter Otani, too. For how much? I think he got him. I think he got him for like three or four bucks. Wait, did he get frozen at five on the pitcher? Yeah, he ended up getting frozen at five on the pitcher, um, and then uh, and then get it. And then he sent me a text. He's like, "I got both fucking Otani's. How do you like me now?" <laughs> um, so. I feel good about it at a total of five dollars. I, I feel. Excuse me. I feel like um, I feel like it definitely works. Well, especially I don't know if you saw this the other day, but he pitched and hit in the same game. Oh, I saw it, dude. Um. If he's if he's gonna be able to do both in the same game, it looks like they're gonna start loosening things up. Uh, you know, we'll we'll yeah, see, but this could be really interesting. I don't have any Otani this year, um, and I may need to change that before, uh, um, before the end of the year. So no, I have two shares of Otani. I'm just I'm a, I'm a fan, and. Um, the talents through the roof, so I'm giving it a shot. I'm giving it a shot. That's where that's where I'm at right now. All right, let's uh, let's move on to your main event here and get kind of some few more thoughts that uh, just kind of what you're seeing out there because obviously main event did not take long before uh, we started to see things really just go wild in the drafts and you know that's what we expect from the main event. So I'm not. Uh, I'm not too surprised. It looks like Giolito and Bauer are going to be first rounders. So if you weren't used to that, you might want to. Uh, and probably Darvish too. Yeah, you might want to get your mind right on on those three because that's just the way it looks like it's going to be, and that's that's the standard pitching push up of a main event. We talk about it all the time, and and you're seeing it. So 
What'd you see that? What'd you see from the weekend that you took into Monday night? Anything at all? If no, that's fine. That can be the answer. But I'm curious. You were picking from five. You got Cole. Any weekend uh, uh, findings that you were like, let me make sure I'm cognizant of this. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I do as part of my prep is I get every main event draft board prior to my main events. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know exactly who's in my league that have drafted other main events. Uh, or, and I you know, also get like the supers and things like that and the platinums uh, from, you know, friends of mine who are, are in these other leagues and stuff. So, um, and, uh, you know, one of the things I've noticed is like pitching is definitely been moved up, but maybe not as drastically as we thought it was going to because the pitching had already moved up. We'd seen in earlier say, drafts. So that, that's why, right? Because mm-hmm. it was already up. It, it's really moving up the you know, the like into the top 20 picks, right? So it's not that pitching has been moved up like like across the board, you know, or even across the board in the elite tiers. It's like if you're if you don't have two picks in the first like top 20 picks, like it's going to be hard to like pull off a pocket aces unless you really like one of these guys going to the back end of the second round. Um, and then throw ADP out the window. Like, people are just going to take who they want to take. Like, it's just... Um, and, yep. I mean, this is one of the things where... I think we talked about this last week. If you're not playing in the main event, like, the ADP for the main event is somewhat useless. Because, like... Oh, we, yeah. We saw someone in... I think it was actually the Platinum the other night start with Mondesi at pick 11, and then the second round, they took Whit Merrifield. Like that's just not gonna happen in your home leagues. It's not even gonna happen I, in like a. I, I I really don't mind that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of do a little bit. I mean, push that, it pushes Merrifield up, and like you probably didn't have to do it. So mm-hmm. I guess from that perspective, like where was I guess they were picking toward the end. Merrifield mm-hmm. usually goes early to mid third round. Yeah, he's he'd probably be saying, "Well, I'm not gonna get Merrifield on the way back." It's just. That's a lack of maybe. yeah, lack of power, and then no pitching. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So no, like I, I that like becomes much. yeah, that becomes the issue there. And it's like it's you not already, a bad combo with that speed though. Like that if, speed is enticing. But yeah, but if you're if you're taking Montesi in the first, you're saying I believe that he's going to hit these projections we're saying for him. Mm-hmm. And so then you've got to you know if you believe that, then why are you doubling up? Like I saw a couple other That's teams fair. do the M- Turner Montesi. Um, in a, in a few minutes, and like, don't get me wrong, I love the idea of like, oh my god, look at all this speed I've got. Now I've got a backup if one gets hurt. But you're saying that you believe that these guys are gonna purge. You know, you wouldn't be taking it if you didn't believe they were gonna get you these numbers, right? Sure. So now it's like, you, if you win the category by thirty steals, like that doesn't help you. Um. Well, no, but you. you I mean, like those two can get you a hundred you, you need more than a hundred and yeah you're gonna get some but like I'd, I'd be interested in how the rest of that build played out because if they really didn't get but anything but like single digit contributions and just went super power heavy i think it's the right way to do it i think there is a way to, to make I mean, that yeah i think there's work. a way to make it work i just don't know that it's the right use of resources um, sure. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, one of the other things I've noticed, uh, and I think Rob Silver mentioned this on Twitter earlier today, uh, injury, any player that's got injury risk 
is just plummeting in these drafts. Yep. Like, yep. you know, guys who are dealing with an injury right now, um, guys who, you know, have long injury uh, track records, uh, they are just absolutely pl- plummeting unless their name is Aaron Judge. Like, Aaron Judge seems to be completely unaffected by this. Well, because he's playing. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, considering his injury track record, I thought he would, sure. you know. But, um, I mean, I think the fact that he's always elite is such that since he's playing right now and, and you know, has the second most played appearances on the Yankees in spring, I understand why no, he's I, not really. And there is still a discount, right? Because he's a first-round talent by per plate appearance. So going mm-hmm. in the fourth round does kind of account for some of we it. We saw him going um, second, I think, in the platinum. See, I, I, I understand pushing him up. I, I think I third too. is about just, the best I could do. Just yeah, um, yeah. I don't. Who, I, who I was think, still available in the second? Was Harper still available? No, no. I think it was end of second. I'd have to. I'd have to go find okay. that board. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just. I don't hate that. I really yeah, don't. So, I, th- I think he's fair to go in the second. He judge can go as high as the second if you just if you like you know really believe that he's going to push like 140 plus games. I think he only needs a buck 40 to really be that that's good. That's fair. Um, so yeah, so I mean, injury guys getting pushed way down, close like the top tier of closers getting pushed way up. We saw a guy take Hader and Karanchek on the four five turn, um, and yeah. I want to say not even the right second closer to get. Yeah, I want to. I think like seven closers went, but in the fourth and fifth rounds of my uh, of my main. So and it's pretty yeah. common. So it's like if you want one of those guys, you're gonna have to pay the price. Um, it went Hendricks, you took Chapman, mm-hmm. Hader, Karinchak, um, Iglesias, Jansen, Rosenthal, Romano. Yeah, the Romano pick just whew. I'm still I'm still so shook on that. I'm sorry, yeah. that's Yeah, I just I'm I'm just shocked by it. Yeah, so uh, I took Hosmer in the ninth though too, so Yeah, and then I mean then there's just, you know, random guys that are clearly um, just flying up draft boards right now. Um, like Nick Senzel went in 10th round. Um, this is a guy who is like going like 16th, 17th, 18th round. Um, Have you thought about a uh, market watch? Uh, well, never mind. I guess you said like with main event. It'd be a main event specific article. Yeah, but I just mind. don't think it's that valuable to a ton of people. Like just it's... just look on the bloom, bo- uh, bloom boards. Mm-hmm. He kind of did something like that. Maybe he'll keep doing stuff. But yeah, it's just not as widespread. Like, I mean, there's even at the 570 end, at the the main event entries, but and a lot of them are double. Yeah, ups. a lot of them are people got. You know, I've got two teams. You know, there are a bunch of guys who've got four, six teams and stuff like For that. For sure. So it's like really talking about uh, like a total pool of maybe like 300 people. It's a real um, niche kind of uh, yeah, and so it's like situation. it's just just not like don't get me wrong. It's interesting to look and like. And kind of go, okay, these are some, some of these guys are some of the best players in the world, obviously, um, because they're, they're willing to put up $1,700 for these mm-hmm. events. Um, and so it's interesting to look and go, okay, oh, wow, like this guy is, you know, five rounds ahead of where his ADP and draft champions are. Um, and maybe that gives you a reason to bump him up or, you know, be a tiebreaker over a different guy or sure. something like that. But, you know, maybe the article to do is looking at the difference in ADP between the draft champions over the last month and early main event um, mm-hmm. and kind of be like, okay, 
you know, these guys are the ones that these sharps are really, uh, really paying attention to. Like Victor Robles went in the seventh round of this draft, um, and I had him queued up. Oh, uh, and that would have solved yeah, a lot of my some... speed problems because I do have some speed problems here. He's getting some love. He's absolutely getting some love here. Sharp, why are you crying? Where? Oh, she's she, on the... she she loves Victor Robles too. She does, but she's also on on the outside of the door. I'm gonna let her in. Hang on. Okay. I'm leaving this in, by the way. He can't hear me right now. But this is couldn't for you find guys. her, and she was on the outside of the door. I was like, "Where are you?" <laughs> I thought she was in. She's like, "No, dumbass. That's why I'm trying to get in." All right. So that's the main event that you had. I'm gonna have mine. This I think I think I'm gonna get in Saturday. And I might make it a double dip with the Colin thing and just have a mega draft Saturday, which sounds really freaking fun. Yeah, it does. And so I might have a main at one and then... Colin be... literally just texted me. It's like there's four spots left. Oh, my God. We need to make a decision. Ugh. Let's get through the pod and we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So what we're going to talk about today is some of our favorites. Um, just some of our favorite players, one at each position. You may, might throw in a second one if you're really feeling froggy and have to get somebody else mentioned. That's fine, too. But I just want to talk about some of the guys and just really put the names out there that, hey, we like these guys. These are the dudes that uh, that we're going for. I, I kind of worked more mid-tier than anything else, but I got a few guys at, at the upper end of things. So let's just kind of go position by position here and talk about them. Let's start with the outfield. And uh, I'm going to start with a guy that I love that's on your favorite team. I'm in on on Yaz. I'm really in on, on Mike Yastrzemski. Like, I understand that he's 30, uh, uh, maybe even age 31 season. No, I think it's his age 30. Yeah, age 30 season. But I look at what he's done these last two years. You know, I mean, it adds up to a whole season kind of perfectly, which I know can be a little dangerous, but 636 plate appearances, 3190. Uh, with 103 runs, I mean, the four chip-in steals, I don't care about because it's four for nine. So I don't even want to pretend that those are a thing. But 281, 357, 535. I mean, dude's fully formed. Yeah, he's 30. But, like, where's the flaw in this profile? I, I don't really see it, especially at the price. And that's why I'm I'm big on Yaz. And he's going, you know, after pick 150 very regularly. Yeah, I'm not a big Yaz guy. Statcast stuff is pretty pedestrian. Yeah, people overrate him. the Statcast stuff so badly. It's such a, a crutch. I'm so had, tired of it. He had a 370 BABIP last year. I think the batting average is coming down probably to about like 260, which is fine. He had a 325 I, in 2019 and hit 272. I think he's a 270 minimum. I'd be, really be surprised if he really felt too much below that. Henry kicked the door stopper. It's just a madhouse in here right now. Um, yeah, you know, obviously 370 is super high, but he takes his walks too. So I kind of buy into that. And uh, we'll see where he is on the strikeout rate. That'll, that'll play a big role. Yeah, I think he's probably like a mid-20-ish home run guy, 260 batting average, some chip-in stolen bases, um, a fair amount of runs because he's going to either lead off or uh, – or hit third in this Giants lineup. Yeah, my I, one of my concerns is like the combination of the dead and ball and now the uh, the gate being opened, um, which kind of is the reason why San Francisco plays as such like a pitcher's park um, mm-hmm. this season. I just worry that the power will 
not be as prodigious as maybe other people will. Like, I don't think we're looking at a guy who is a 30 home run hitter. Um, which, I mean, obviously is fine. I think he's very solid. And he's one of the few Giants that's not going to be in a platoon. He dropped, I'm pretty sure, really far in my main. Um, I'm double I've been check. all over that. Um, and I almost... 11th even, round. 11th round. So, yeah, I mean, um, so maybe not that far. But I definitely was looking at him at the time. Like, okay, this is a guy that, like, he's not going to hurt you. Um, and instead, when he went, I took Joey Gallo, who is a guy who could hurt me. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Um, Definitely comes with with more yeah. risk there. Yeah, I just I think he fits nicely in where he's going to. Um, I just think Yaz is one of those guys that's gonna gonna overperform relative to the expectations of the of the market at large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's it's not a bad call. It's just not a guy I'm, I'm ending up with. Um, let's see, I'm gonna go. I want to pick someone who's on my main event team. Um, I'm going to go with Charlie Blackman. And okay. like this is one where like I I haven't really got, I don't even know, I think this may have been my first share of Charlie Blackman in this main event. Um, and I'm just going to double check that real quick because you know, I've got 20-something teams already, so I don't actually remember. Yeah, it was my first share of Charlie Blackman. Um, and I was at a point in the draft in the seventh round where I was like, Oh man, my biggest weaknesses right now are batting average and run scored. And I was hey, like, I was like, he fulfills that. Yeah, like he's a guy who, you know, obviously last year we're thrown out because it was twenty twenty. Um, but prior to that, the previous four seasons to that, over a hundred, eleven hundred runs or more in each season. Uh, I mean, you could pretty much just like bank him for thirty home runs. 100 plus runs and like a 300 batting average um and like i i understand like there was a tail off at the end of last season and people are like well he's old uh you know he's 34 the colorado lineup isn't as good as it once was without arenado in it it's still a pretty good lineup at the top and yeah, and it's still course like it's still course and yeah and so like i think he is just a bit undervalued right now uh, and, um, yeah, so I, I, I grabbed him and I, I felt pretty good about that. And, uh, if he drops again in, uh, my main event, uh, at the end of the month, uh, I'm going to have no problem taking another shot on him. His, his ADP in the main events is 115. So yeah, I feel seventh like it's really good price. pretty good on him with black I set the main on him. Even if he doesn't run, I really just, I don't have a problem with everything else he delivers. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely in on that. Uh, okay, continuing on, and we're going in an unorthodox order on purpose. We'll go to second base. Um, there is no rhyme or reason in this order, but it's just not the standard, you know, catchers and first base, etc. Order that everyone did. We did that last year when we switched up our positional previews, and we're doing it here too. But my, I'm a second base. I'm gonna stick with the obvious one, Jake Cronenworth. I feel like uh, people kind of getting back in on his market, which is a little annoying hands off you guys had a chance he didn't want it now go away okay bunch of jerks uh no but he's having a big spring which matters because um he's fighting for playing time so i I, i'm definitely gonna look at uh spring numbers and be like okay that has some merit you know profar is one for 31 he does have seven walks but uh one for 31 not quite getting it done uh three for 29 ha seung kim 
not quite getting it done. I think Jake Cronor is going to play a ton, and um, I'm still taking him everywhere. And so I'll, I'll slot him here at second base. He's a multi, multi-eligible guy. Uh, I'll use him for my second baseman that I really like, and I'm still drafting everywhere. Yeah, I mean, Cronenor, I think the the more important numbers in his spring numbers are the other guys' spring numbers. They're just, they just suck right now. Um, yeah. And I mentioned this with Haseon Kim. I think on the last episode, like, I think he's going to be one of those guys that comes back up at some point um, yep. and is a fantasy difference maker. But I also think he's probably going to get dropped by the majority of the teams that draft Oh, for him. sure. So, for sure. Uh, I think, you know, while there has been a roster crunch, you have Trent Grisham, who is not yet playing games. He might do long toss tomorrow. Um, and then you've got Kim sucking, Profar sucking. Um, I think Cronenworth has a full-time role. He may still move around because he gives the team added flexibility, but that's fine. If he were to gain outfield eligibility on top of what he already has, just add to the, you know, flexibility. Um, and uh, exactly. yeah, he went... He again, another one of these guys went pretty late. I'm pretty sure went 248 in my main event. Uh, and Rob got him, mm-hmm. and uh, so like, yeah, I thought that was a really smart pickup. Uh, I was looking for different things at that point, so it's why I didn't pull the trigger on him. But yeah, I think uh, I think he's uh, gonna be an underrated asset. And, but I do think the price is gonna continue to go up as people kind of uh, clue in on the fact that he's likely an everyday player, even if it's not every day at second base. I don't think he ever gets to a cost prohibitive standpoint though. So no, I don't think I'll, so. I'll remain his in min the rest pick of is draft season. His min pick is one eighty eight. Yeah. See I, I got no problems Max with that. Max is three ten. Love all that. What do you got at second base? There's so many guys at second base. Like and this is what we've been talking about, like, you know, people like, oh second base sucks. Well it sucks at the top. It's the opposite of shortstop where like like, like shortstop is great at the top and then like oh my god i didn't get a you know shortstop in the first eight rounds now i'm screwed and that's how i ended up with td gregorius um actually it, i actually like the gregorius so i i, I, I still it's consider him among Eddie. the pretty good ones and then mm-hmm. it starts to really drop off yeah um i'm gonna go with jonathan scope uh, okay i don't know why he continues to Undrafted. go yeah, like so, so late. I got him at 296. Again, I set the min on him uh, in the main. His ADP is 330. Like, I feel like you can just pencil him in for like a 265 batting average and 20 plus home runs. Exactly. Um, like, you can just like just kind of set it and forget it. Um, you know, I understand like there are a lot of guys going kind of around that spot at second base. Like, Josh Rojas is going around there. Um, Cesar Hernandez, I like both of those guys, but like Scope seems like the safest of those guys. And he's going to hit in the middle of that Tigers lineup, uh, because the lineup isn't great. Uh, and, but I don't think that lineup is atrocious either. So like, I do think like he could probably hit 20 home runs, 80, 80 in terms of runs and RBIs, uh, and you know, like 260, 270 kind of batting average. And when you're getting that outside of the top 300 picks, usually that seems pretty nice. Yeah. And like I said, in some drafts, he was going undrafted, which speaks to that depth of second base that scope could go undrafted because there's a lot of scope like figures. Um, And that's why I agree that second base isn't thin. I think it is deep and it's just a different kind of depth that is different from the shortstop depth, Um, star power versus depth. And we're 15 team leagues, even the 12 team leagues, you know, 
I want I want some of that uh, some of that steady any depth there, and Scope definitely fits the bill. Let's move on and go to first base now. The playing time concerns here for this guy, I like. I don't think they're unfounded, but I think they've delivered a discount that is too good to pass up when Rowdy Telez is going in like round twenty six, and I think he's at least the strong side DH. There were improvements in his strikeout rate last year that might not be fully real. I mean, because it was a huge jump, but have enough to them in terms of improvements that he made. And I believe he got LASIK. Correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say that there was I do not know that you know, an actual improvement that way with Roddy Telez that improved his his strikeout rate and vision. So I'm in, you know, and it's a it's a cheap piece of Toronto. I've already mentioned how I like Guriel as far as the star level pieces of Toronto being with him being a little bit cheaper relative to like um Bichette and Springer and Teoscar and that. Uh but then if you want to go really cheap I think Telez is the way to go, and I have no problem slotting him in at CI. So he's my first baseman that I really like. Yeah, I skipped shortstop. By the way, that was an accident. It's all right. We'll go back to shortstop. But um, I really wanted Rowdy Telez. Uh, went twenty sixth round in your league, didn't he? Yeah, he went super super late. Um, Man, it's uh, and uh, again another Rob Silver pick. Um, and I think Rob said in both of his main so far he has Telez. Um, yeah, I mean. I think he's probably going to platoon. Um, but, I mean, that's always just one injury away from being a full-time role. Um, yeah, or performance, too, because, mm-hmm. like, he's not bad against lefties. And if these gains are legitimized early this year where it's like, wow, he, Telez is still really not striking out, then I think it changes things a lot. And then all of a sudden, Gritchuk has to cut into, like, um, Teoscar or Gurriel's time yeah. if either of them underperform. Yep. So yeah, I like I like that pick. It, uh, I was I mean I was really looking at, at a first baseman like who can I get? Who can I get? And I was like, Telez just kept staring me at the face, and finally I was like, okay, this is it. Now I'm taking Telez. <laughs> Rob just and Rob said, nabs him nah. three picks ahead of me. So uh, it happens. I, I end up with Renato Nunez, who I like a lot. So um, as kind of a, a late kind of pick, a little bit of a tiger stack. <laughs> I like it. Willie Castro. I'm for it. <laughs> um, Jonathan Jonathan Scope and, and yeah. Uh, by the that, way, Nunez still listed as a, an Oriole in the software. Interesting. At least uh, by the sticker. Um, has he been added to the 40 man yet? Maybe not. Maybe that's why. That's probably why. So, but he should be, um, should be pretty safe there. Uh, all right, so if you're first baseman of choice. I'm going to go with Yuli Gurriel. Okay. He's going late batting average, which you don't usually find. Yeah. And, I mean, yes, last year was an absolute disaster for a lot of the Astros. Uh, they cle- you know, they signed him to an extension, so they clearly believe he's going to bounce back, uh, you know, prior to uh, the 232 batting average, which he had a 235 BABIP. Uh, for uh, when he's a career 291 BABIP guy, uh, he had hit 298, 291, 299 the previous three seasons. Um, do I think he's going to hit 31 home runs again like he did in 2019? Absolutely not. But we're talking about a guy it's probably like 18 to 20 home runs, something like that, with like a 290 batting average going around pick, what, three-something? Um, 292 so far in the mains. Uh, like that just is a really, really good value, especially like you said, late getting batting average usually comes at a huge deficit to something else. 
He's going to hit, you know, in the heart of what is still a pretty good lineup. In I think it's Houston. a really good lineup. I yeah. think it's being a little bit ignored because people are still mad at Houston for the trash can stuff. And it's like, okay, I get that, but let's not let that cloud our judgment on the talent that they have. Yeah. So, um, I, I really, I really like Yuli. Um, I've got him in a bunch of places. I did not get him in the main event. Um, so, but, uh, he's a guy that I've, I've gotten a lot of different spots. I think ageism, I think the, the down year last year in the short yeah. sample are weighing on people. Uh, and I think it's kind of a mistake. Yeah, it's a really good call out there with uh, with Yuli Gurriel. Just he just offers something so unique later on that it can be a savior for you, and especially you who likes to uh, build poor batting average teams. You know, getting a guy like that can really stabilize you to uh, hopefully make it so that you don't just automatically finish last in batting average. So good, good pick there with uh, Yuli Gurriel. Let's continue on. Go back to shortstop here. Again, I'm not going to complicate things. I'm going to go with a guy I've been promoting all offseason in Tommy Edmond. I'm still very much a Tommy Edmond believer. I think he's going to bat atop that lineup. He's quadruple eligible. Um, even if you're not like super sold on the power and you think he's like a 12 home run hitter, that's fine because I think he can be – I really think he could be like a 30 base stealer because he's got the skills for it. Um, I did an investigation of his caught stealings from last year. I don't see anything that worries me as far as like – Oh, they're going to red light him. Um, he got smoked a couple times by some of the best catchers in the league, and maybe he shouldn't have gone on them, but they like had to throw perfect throws combined with perfect tags. Um, he also kind of had one against Brandon Woodruff that he left too soon and got picked off, but still required an amazing tag by Jace Peterson to even for, for that to even come through because while he was beaten by Woodruff, his speed almost beat it out due to a poor throw, but there was a great like back tag by Jace Peterson. So it's like nothing in that two for six says Tommy Edmond is screwed and can't run. He's two for two this season or this spring, 412 OBP, top of the solid Cardinals lineup, quad eligible. Why wouldn't I take Tommy Edmond? I mean, I love Tommy Edmond. I've got him on a bunch of teams this year, so I'm, I'm right there with you. I, th- I think people are overrating uh, 2020 for a lot of the Cardinals. You've got to remember, I mean, they played 11 double headers. It's a nightmare year, dude. It just, I mean, they had like, yeah, it was just a crazy year. I throw a lot out. I mean, it's why we're still allowing Jack Flaherty to go like in the second or early third round in 15 team leagues, like because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, 2020 was crazy for them, even more crazy than for other teams. So we're we're just gonna say that it wasn't crazy for Edmund. You know, here's the stat that nobody talks about with Tommy Edmond. 11 double headers. He played in 55 games last year. He played in That's a lot nuts, of those dude. double headers. Like, you That's know. That's nuts. Yeah. So, I mean, on top of the fact that he was playing twice a day a bunch of times, he mm-hmm. also played in seven inning games. So, he got a lot of those, you know, uh, 55, or not a lot, but a few of those 55 uh, games that he played in were lost two innings. You know, and so like that takes away from like what could have been some extra, you know, counting categories. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, I I like Tommy Edmond quite a bit. There's a little bit of concern that he doesn't bat at the top all season long. I think they do want to get Dylan Carlson up there. But I mean, at this point, he is going to be batting at the top and the quadruple eligible uh, is just so super valuable. I think Carlson could bat too. Edmond, Carlson, 
Goldie Arenado. Yeah, could I, be a, I think could be a little quartet there. So I'm I'm very in on Carlson as well. We've discussed that on the show, um, and I'm not deterred by anything that he's done. You know, you're paying on you're betting on the come a little bit with with Carlson's price, but I I really I almost picked him for outfield to be honest. All right, who's your shortstop? Hmm, there's a few guys that are kind of interesting. Um, I wanted to go Ahmed Rosario, but. Why? He has looked brutal in the outfield where they're trying him out. Just <laughs> having a tough one, man. It would have been yeah. nice if he went out there and kind of excelled and you get a shortstop who's going to gain outfield eligibility. But, man, I don't know that you want it right now with the way he's been playing. Yeah, no. So I think I'm going to I'm gonna avoid that one. I'm going to go with Elvis Andrews. Okay. Going super, so, super late and... Like, in Oakland, by the way, just want to throw that yes, out there for yes. those that kind of you know slept on that trade. That that mm-hmm. trade was a little bit under the radar. So he's in Oakland, starting guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you getting that vibe that like he gets a bounce back? The you know kind of a classic Oakland thing where they pick a scrap heap guy up. I mean, he's not scrap heap in terms of contract. That's why he was part of. He and Chris Davis had to kind of offset each other money wise. But are you seeing like a thirty age thirty two here where it's like. Maybe he doesn't get all the way back to when he went, what, 20 and – what did he have there? Like a tw- 20, 25 back in 2017, 20 yeah. homers, 25 steals. We're not calling for that. But 12-31 back in 2019, 275 average. How viable is, is that for Andrus in your opinion, age 32? I don't even know if that's necessarily in the cards, but like – like why It was a 76 we- WRC plus. He wasn't even that good. It was just the counting categories like, were good. If he just goes – 725 258 like he did in 2015 okay like 25 stolen bases i mean this is a guy you know obviously we throw out 2020 just because of the craziness and and kind of you know he was dealing with injury and um then got benched because he was struggling when he came back um and then like 2018 we throw out because he was injured but other than that he has stolen at least 24 games in, or sorry, at least 20, bases, uh, 20, yeah. 21 bases in every season since 2009. Like, so you're telling me he can't steal 20 bases? Like, I mean, I'll no, take I'm not it. saying that at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's gonna he's gonna steal 20 bases, uh, you know, and he's going super late. Like, if you need <laughs> speed super late, there's your guy right there. Um, Especially if you're stacked on power, because yeah, I put him for single digits. Mm-hmm. I think the 1231 is like a dream season. It's like a 95th percentile. But you just plan for more of like, you know, like you said, 725. If you can afford to take on that power dip, that's pretty nice. I don't know if you read my piece yesterday on where speed goes. I have not yet, but I, I but definitely have a mark. So expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I, you know what? I want, I want to talk about this just a little bit real quick here. I remember talking about how. There was an over freak out of like, I can't take Freddie Freeman because I won't get no first round speed. I have come around on that a bit. Mm -hmm. I will still be open to a build if it fits. Like if it's like DeGrom Freeman or something, I'm not going to cry. You just have to be very cognizant of your speed in the next few rounds because it's going to be drying up. But I understand the overwhelming desire because they're – it, it's just not available late in any quality capacity. It's so damaged the I, speed I, that is available late. I was behind on speed in my main, it, and it, I mean, I and I still things. Yeah, I still feel a little bit light 
on speed and I had to take gambles I would not have or I would have preferred not to take. I really wanted Manny Margot in the 14th round mm-hmm. and I got sniped on him. Um and so in the 15th round I took Miles Straw. Now I we saw that and you ended up getting the full I have the Houston entire outfield. Houston outfield. So um you know and like I think I can pencil in 20 plus stolen bases from Straw pretty easily. But that's it. Like it, it's it's it is a Malik Smithish profile. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, he's the only guy projected for more than twenty in the bat X that goes after pick one hundred eight. Yeah, and so and most of them are double digit, single digit guys. So it's and then, it's and then I took out there. Jonathan VR, like who doesn't yep. even have a spot to play. They play a lot, though. Yeah, I mean in. And, like, I got him in the 21st round. So, it's like, you know, okay, if he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. But whatever. Uh, but I needed the speed. And, like, there aren't a ton of speed guys later. So, if you can get Andrews, you know, um, super, super late, I'm taking that gamble. No, I, I agree. And, you know, first things first, I was kind of looking to be top 20. And this is just for main event, and it's a little bit different. But it gives you an idea of you know, how to attack speed at the highest end. You can do different things here. But for main event, you can't punt any, or you shouldn't. You're very stupid if you do. You're, you're really putting yourself up against the, the eight ball. Uh, or, up against the eight? That's not the right phrase, is it? Yeah, you're putting, no, it is. Up against yeah, you're putting it up against the eight ball. Like your, oh, yeah, yeah, your, your yeah, cue yeah, ball yeah, is yeah, up against the eight ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you really, you really put yourself in some trouble if you punt anything knowingly if the draft plays out in a certain way sure uh but you need about 120 at least that's what you've needed we can probably scale that down a little because speed is dropping year over year but let's just that's about nine sbs per spot even if you drop it to eight per spot that's 112 and then you factor in that you're probably not going to get any from your two catchers in most builds, you're right back up to nine. And nine doesn't seem like a lot, but think about how many sub-nines you're going to get. Your first baseman, probably your third baseman, probably an outfielder or two. You know, And, and they start to add up the two catchers. So now you need so many more confined into, you know, nine of your 14 spots or even 10 of your 14 spots and it becomes double digits per and if you don't get a premium guy if you don't get a Mondesi Turner Acuna Marte Robles Story Tatis Ramirez Merrifield you're fighting you're fighting man it's it's tough it opened my eyes it really did I'm glad I did the piece uh it's up now where speed goes in drafts take a look anyway um and both of our shortstop considerations will help you there with Tommy Edmond and Elvis Andrews. Moving over to third base, I go a little bit higher end here. And this was, honestly, I'm a little annoyed by this uh, move to shortstop that's going to bring some attention for a. Eugenio Suarez. Because I was very happy to just take him as my third baseman. But now I think he's starting to get some attention. Like, oh, he's going to add shortstop. Oh, well, let me look at Suarez. Oh, shit, he's amazing. Um, and I think that's what people are going to realize because he is amazing and he took a little while to get going last year. I have no concerns about him. Like I look at the numbers that he had, he still had 15 homers. That's all I care about. Uh, he had 268 ISO, which is his second highest ever. Yeah. He hit 202. I understand, 
214 Babbitt, though. He can't convince me that the rest of the season plays out. He doesn't work his way back up into like a 250 type of realm, if not higher, because he's been a good bit above that the last three years, 271, 283, 260 from 2017 to 2019 for Suarez. I am still very bought in on this Cincinnati offense as a whole. I think he's going to dominate. I'm completely here for A. Eugenio Suarez. Yeah, I mean, I've been here the whole time. I, I love Suarez, and I think he is uh, underrated. The the move to shortstop, definitely, uh, I don't love it for the pitchers on the team, but um, it definitely will uh, add some really nice flexibility uh, to fantasy rosters and, unfortunately, they gotta beef up the price on him quite a bit. I already yeah. had him above Alex Bregman um, and Kevin Biggio, uh, which I think was unpopular. Uh, but I think other people are gonna start coming in line with me. So I, I do like uh, Suarez quite a bit. Um, third base, uh, man, there, there's a number of guys I really, really like. Um, I'll refrain from talking more about my uh, main event team, and uh, I'll, I'll talk about <laughs> Justin Turner. Uh, yeah, like dirt cheap. He he's definitely starting to move up, uh, but I think the fact that he was unsigned for so long has kept his price down. Plus, guys uh, tend to dislike you know people with injury history, track records. Uh, Andy's older, um, but I mean, all he does when he's on the field is hit. Especially if you're playing like in 15 team leagues, I can understand fading him a little bit because the the waiver wire. Uh, isn't as um, full as maybe in like a 10 or 12 teamers. But if you're playing sure. in one of those shallower formats where, you know, there's a guy you can pick up when you throw him on the IL if he does get banged up, like he is probably, you know, a 290-25 home run hitter uh, with, I think, yeah. upside for more in one of the best lineups in baseball where he's going to hit like, you know, in the middle of it. Uh, I just think it, he's like a super, super solid player that – always returns value like he always returns value even when he misses time yep. so yeah justin turner is a guy that uh again another guy rob silver snipe me on i think um i think both turner and guriel should be part of your game plan if you get like judge and gallo or stanton and Gallo. like i know judges actually had better batting averages but if you get some of that big power gallo specifically of course he's the easy one to mention but there's plenty of guys that have batting average issues and if you get one of them uh or a couple actually then i really think you should bring turner and guriel into your into your uh consideration not actually has like heavy targets to really offset some of that batting average trouble that you have, particularly in a league where you are playing for an overall and you want to be more balanced. They can both really help. All right, let's move to pitching. We'll do starting and relief and then catcher. Uh, again, going to go a little, little solid or, or a little standard here with a guy that I've talked up a lot, but again, this is about favorites. So there's, there's a little bit of repeat here and it's supposed to be just kind of a little crib sheet for folks. Aaron Savali, I have not been deterred even one percent off of him um you know pittsburgh of all teams ruined his season last year with like an eight bomb in the last start of the year that was kind of annoying he was off to an excellent start he did meander a little bit there down the stretch uh coming in with a job this year i still really believe in him and his arsenal i believe in cleveland quite a bit i'm completely here for the aaron savale renaissance i would take him over zach please zach um I don't have a problem with that. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that I think they should be much closer together in ADP than they are. Exactly. Um, that, that's my main. I think point you can make the argument that. for either of them, honestly. 
and I, I but do. But Pusak's thirty second, and Savali is sixty fourth. I think Savali has a little bit more upside too, um, in terms of what I think he can do with a strikeout rate. And I think you know we've talked about this a bunch, um, and I think a lot of people in the industry have talked about this a bunch, like. The margin for error for guys like Plesak is so much smaller because he needs to have that elite command um, mm-hmm. in order to succeed. Uh, not to say that he can't have it again like he did in 2020, but it's just such a small margin of error um, that can really be a little is. bit scary where I think Savali can get away with a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I like that pick. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough is my guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got him in your main sets. Yeah, that's going, good. Yeah, I felt like we hadn't talked about my main more uh, recently enough. But, um, <laughs> hey, but you you know you're not lying about these favorites. They're ending up in all your dang drafts, so it's yeah. not like anybody can call you out for. I took, uh, for I took Yarborough in the main. I took him in TGFBI. I took him in my friend's fantasy benefits uh, main event qualifier. I took him in Tout. Um, like I understand, like there's not strikeout upside. But what there is is, uh, like, really, really safe ratios with, like, not a zero in strikeouts um, late in draft. Like, um, I think it's Yancey Eaton, who, you know, friend of everybody in the industry, right? Um, He's, like, he's Kyle Hendricks light. Um, Now, and that's hyperbolic for sure, but uh, I kind of buy into a little bit of it. And if he's, like, my fifth or sixth starter... I'm feeling really damn good about my pitching staff. Uh, going to pick 227 in the main event so far. Uh, just feel like that's just a really, really good spot for a guy like Yarbrough, especially if you've, you know, rostered maybe some like high upside K guys uh, that might have some, you know, ratio. You know, if you get like a Tyler Glass now um, or someone yeah. like that, you want to have kind of the ratio support, and Yarbrough does that. Those teammates working well together for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I like I like that setup there, Yarbrough. You know, don't think we're getting that opener back for him. But that was so nice. But man, if they decided to do it, I'd be really pleased with the uh, with the with the Rays on that one. Uh, let's go to relief pitcher here, and uh, I'm, r- I'm running a little counter to you on a guy. It's not even that I don't like your guy. I'm I'm open to doing what you did in the main, getting both. But Hector Neris is uh, is too cheap as far as I'm concerned. I-, I think he has a really good shot at just taking that job. I don't know that it's Brad. I don't think it's Bradley's. I think it is kind of a share, and I think Neris needs more attention for the fact that he could steal it. You're talking about the you know, landscape that is closers, and I think he's being a little bit overlooked. They're both having solid springs. Neris's is better with nine strikeouts and six and two thirds to Bradley's four in in six innings. Small margins there, but zero walks from Neris is very nice too. So again, I'm open for the pair. Uh, I think they're cost efficient enough to take both, and then you're gonna hopefully find that that one of them gets the job outright. But if I have to pick one, I'm probably waiting to take Near East cheaper than than Bradley. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would prefer to just pair them up, and that's what I did in the main. Um, I wish I'd done that more in my other drafts because I I mean I'm pretty sure Bradley is my most uh, rostered reliever. Yeah, um, and so oh, if he doesn't get that job. Uh, that could be really painful for me this season. Uh, that being said, like moving forward, when I do roster Bradley, um, I will uh, um, I, I will just kind of double tap on uh, Nuris later in the draft. So uh, yeah, so I, I like the call. I mean, he's been really really good. Oh, I've got four shares of Nuris. 
Okay, so, okay. so you're you're supplementing. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got him supplementing in a, in a, in a few drafts. So yeah, you um, know he he was a little rough last year in the twenty one and two thirds walk rate walk rate spiked, strikeout rate dipped, but swinging strike rate was dead even to nineteen. Uh, 2019 at 18%. So I think the strikeout upside is there, and I really think it's the 21 and two-thirds small sample kind of clouding the idea that Norris can handle this job. He's got 70 saves um, you know, o- over the last several years, and that's uh, over the last four years, and that's like I think top eight. I, I can't remember what it was when, in the article I did, but it's very high uh, for Norris. So I dig him. Um. I'm going to go with a guy that I haven't really talked much about this spring and it's because I'm kind of getting on the bandwagon here a little bit late. But, like, you know, we've talked about guys like Nick Whitgren uh, as a potential closer in Cleveland or Chris Martin as a potential closer in Atlanta. Going mm-hmm. right around that spot, like just around, like, pick 300 is Tanner Scott. And with, okay. with uh What's his bucket? Hunter Harvey <laughs> hit the uh, 60 day DL. IL. Yeah, 60 yeah. day IL. I think, and Tanner Scott has looked really, really good in spring. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to pick three or one in the main event so far, which is really surprising considering the other prices on kind of more muddled situations. I think Scott has a really good shot of being the, the, the guy like from day one and just holding on to it all year. You know, maybe the Orioles don't win a ton of games, but. Like, wouldn't you rather take that gamble than maybe going after, like, uh, you know, I, I, I love Chris Martin, and he's going later, but, like, we're not sure that Chris Martin has the job. Um, no, we're not, but I think we feel like a chance at the full job in Atlanta is better than even the full job sure. a little bit more secured in Baltimore. I mean, even... I, I it's secured, yeah. You know, but like, you know, Taylor Rogers is going like 70 picks higher. Like, I like Taylor yeah. Rogers, but that's clearly a timeshare uh, at best. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like, give me the guy Scott's that. Scott's got I, the gig to start, right? Yeah, he has to. I, I would assume so. I mean, the Orioles could do whatever they wanted, right? But I think he, he's the guy. So, like, and, you know, obviously taking a guy like Scott doesn't preclude you from taking other gambles. And I think you should. I think people should take other gambles, uh, take a bunch of them, and, and then you know we'll know in the first week or two um, who's got the job and who doesn't, and you drop them for whatever starting pitcher streamer um, exactly. you want. So, uh, but I think Tanner Scott has a leg up and the role. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I don't even have him on any teams. Um, at least I don't think I do. Um, nope, I do not have well, him on any you know, teams. Bef- before Harvey got smoked, it's a little difficult to want to take him in a situation where it looks like it might he was battling. Mm-hmm. But now yeah. that it looks like Tanner Scott's going to get the job, I totally understand. Yeah, I think Hunter Harvey was the guy. Like, and I've got yeah. a lot yeah. of Hunter Harvey, unfortunately, uh, and he's going to. He was get, so cheap. Yeah, and I thought he was going to do well. Like, I've got him on six teams, um, and so yeah, that that is oh actually seven because I took him in the Barf League too. Um, that doesn't show up, obviously, in the NFBC one. And they're all, or five of the six, are draft and hold. So I'm stuck with them. So maybe oh. he comes back and I get some saves later in the season. Um, but, like, in the one fab league I've got him in, he's going to be off my team before the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's kind of the way to go with it with regards to Hunter Harvey and a 60-day IL stint. Uh, closing it out with catcher, I'm going to go homer. I'm going to go Wilson Ramos. 
Um, I mean, Wilson Ramos has consistently been a quality catcher, and I think he's going to kind of get back to that this year with the Tigers. He was a little down last year, uh, a lot down, 239 average, uh, thanks to a 271 Babbitt. I do worry a little bit about the fact that he has, like, no speed, going to eat up a few hits, so he might not get back up into the 288, 306 that we saw in uh, 19 and 18, respectively. But I'll take 260 with uh, with double digit homers and then you know the accumulative accumulated runs and ribbies as the main guy in Detroit. I think he can get as many as two days off a week, but I'll still take him playing mostly five times a week. Yeah, I mean here's the thing: when we're talking about cheap catchers, what are we looking for? We're looking for someone who's not going to hurt us. Exactly. Like that's that's because I mean most catchers when we're talking about the guys going outside of probably the top 12 uh, guys are just going to end up giving you negative value. So it's it's less about finding guys who are going to pop and more about finding guys with safe floors. And that's why I like Wilson Ramos. And I mean, his ADP is uh, 288 in these main events. I think that's totally fair um, as like either a really, really cheap catcher one or a really, really nice catcher two. Um, yep. And I'm gonna go in the same vein of that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little homerism here, but I'm gonna go with Buster Posey. So I took him in the okay. main event at pick three twenty six um, as my catcher one, uh, and then I paired him with another guy who I feel kind of very similar with in Jan Gomes, another just guy who isn't gonna hurt me, like and yeah, like just po- a boring veteran. And like with Posey, like we've seen the decline, right? The decline has already been here uh, for a little while, but. What if part of the decline has been the fact that he's just dealt with nagging injuries as a full-time catcher? Mm-hmm. Um, and the year off may actually, you know, supposedly he's in really, really great shape, uh, looks pretty decent in spring. So, uh, like, I'm not saying, like, we're going to see Buster Posey of old um, by any stretch of the imagination, you know? Like, yeah. I, I think the days where Buster Posey is, like, a 20-home run hitter um, – past many many years ago but if he's a double digit homer guy and he can get back to like the 280 290 batting average from a catcher that'd be huge if like can yeah give you some batting average a ton of value especially when most catchers going around that spot are giving you like a 230 to two, you know, 230 240 best batting average so mm-hmm. i i'm 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 here for you know maybe a resurgence year for buster posey yeah i i, I can get behind it because it's just not it's just not expensive and so and you what know might be his last year i mean yeah he's got a club wonder, option that i doubt the club is going to pick up i think the time off aspect is interesting to point out and maybe that rejuvenates the legs a bit mm-hmm. so yeah uh, I, I can see it. I don't think it's out of bounds. And we are looking for non-pain among these late catchers, like you said. Yeah. I, I'll throw a quick shout-out. Omar Narvaez, I just don't see him being that bad again. I, like, at I all. have I love him. got Omar Narvaez everywhere. The only reason I didn't take him uh, yesterday was because I have him everywhere, and I wanted, you know, I've got him in five teams already, um, and I wanted to kind of diversify a little bit. But I got him in town. So I actually got him in the 16s. Get, give me Ramos Narvaez, and I'm feeling fine at catcher. I really see, am. I mean, that's the thing. Like, and you know, just in general catcher strategy. Like, if I don't get you JT Ramuto, which I haven't gotten, I'm just waiting. Like, yeah. Um, especially now that Aaron no- or Austin Nola is uh, injured. 
Like, unless a guy really, really drops, like, I've taken some shots on Gary Sanchez when he's dropped in drafts, um, just because the upside, if he can just get some, like, real Babbitt, huge Babbitt luck in a season is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I've been waiting. Like, I don't even consider guys until I'm getting into that, like, 280 range where Posey and Ramos and Alfaro and Carson Kelly and Yadimir Molina are going because Molina is another one of those guys where it's like going outside the top 300 and it's like he's gonna play a lot yeah and he can just accumulate a catcher which not a lot of guys can do so um, that's the beauty I'm just yeah I'm just not paying for catcher even in a two catcher league I'm just not paying for it still hoping for that uh var show to the outfield thing if that happens to see what he could do I did get him one place just brutal in oh yeah total totally awful like and he didn't look good last year so i don't hold out a lot of hope for it i did get the one share definitely not putting him in the same vein as like a recommendation here just uh just kind of pointing it out since we're talking catcher but uh, that's gonna do it for us there. talking about our favorites maybe we'll talk about some fades uh on thursday just guys that no matter what we just can't get there on their current prices and uh talk about why we have some issues with them but until then justin have a good one take it easy